So I woke up this morning thinking about a lesson I did yesterday that included a little bit of grammar teaching and I wanted to come and really quickly talk to you guys about some grammar. So I know there's a huge debate about teaching grammar, assessing grammar, should we even tell them about the grammar, and all those things. And so I just want to share a little bit about what I do in my classroom. So my students, when they graduate eighth grade, 90% of them go off to a school that is super traditional, that uses a textbook and grammar, and is very focused on those rules and those expectations. So for me, I know that I need to balance doing what's right for their language acquisition and giving them comprehensible input and letting their brain make connections naturally with also giving them some of that conscious learning that they need to be successful at the next level. So here's how I do it. Every day after I do my input time where I'm speaking to the students in Spanish, we do write and discuss. And so we write up about a four to seven sentence paragraph based off of what we talked about in class that day. After we do write and discuss, we read through it. So I'll read through it to the students in Spanish, and then they will, word by word, translate it to me in English. This gives me an opportunity to point out any interesting pieces about the way the language is put together to each of my students. And then I will also sometimes talk to them about the grammar after I have done a lesson with them. So for example, yesterday, I had a really great lesson with my seventh graders, and I am going to upload this video to YouTube eventually, and I'll try to remember to link it in the description of this podcast on Anchor. So with my seventh graders yesterday, I'm using Tina Hargaden's Stepping Stones curriculum from Curriculum Club, and we did a lesson on um, celebrities then and now, so basically describing in the past and present. And so what I did was I had the students make a T-chart, So I had two columns in their notebooks, and they had one that said pasado, one that said presente, and as I spoke, they just took a couple of notes on each person that I talked about, about the past and the present. And then we came together, we picked their favorite celebrity, we wrote a paragraph about it, we read through it, I pointed out some little pieces of information. So when we got to translating the word era in Spanish and the kids were like, was, I was like, oh my gosh, you guys are so smart. I didn't even teach that word to you. And they were able to figure it out from context, which is awesome because their brains are making those natural connections. So then afterwards, I took about 10 minutes in class to give them some phrases and sentence starters in the past and present in order to describe people. So Basically, I was giving them a bunch of the imperfect, but I didn't have to have that conversation with them about here's the preterite, here's the imperfect, these are the differences in the two past tenses, because their brain was already making connections with the imperfect, and we're talking about description. So for now, giving them those sentence starters and those pieces about how to describe people in the imperfect, that's enough grammar. Eventually, later on, when they learn the rules, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because we were describing people. And when you describe people in the past, you use the imperfect. But here's what I'm going to do to make sure that they're successful when they go off to high school. Now, this was my seventh grade class that I did this with. And honestly, I'm not going to do a whole lot more grammar with them than that, than pointing it out to them when we translate our class texts in English And then giving them maybe 10 minutes of, you know, here are some sentence starters or phrases to use for these different types of 
language when you're trying to communicate a message. But with my eighth graders, at the end of this year, I want them to have explicit knowledge in all the things that their counterparts who are going to be at the same high school as them had in Spanish 1. So we are going to spend probably a couple of weeks doing explicit grammar and conscious learning and workbook pages and practice activities. And it's not going to be the best for their brains. It's not going to help their language acquisition, but it will help them be successful in their next step so that they feel that I did prepare them. Because I do want them to continue with Spanish. I do want them to enjoy it and have those connections in their brain. But I also want them to be successful. Now, the most important thing that I want to share about this is that I will not be assessing them on their accuracy of their grammar when we do that studying at the end of the year. We will do lessons. We will do practice. I will check to make sure that they did the practice, like give them completion grades for doing it. We will correct it together so that they can see how they need to change things in the future, but I will not be taking grades based on the accuracy of manipulating verbs and grammar. So I hope that gives you a little bit of idea about how I teach and handle things in my class regarding grammar. Of course, it's going to be different for everyone in your different situation, but I just wanted to let you know that giving them a little bit of grammar isn't going to kill them. And as long as you are aware that their conscious learning and their acquired competence are two totally different systems and that we need to make sure we're being equitable on assessing our students and assessing them for me, um, interpretation and expression of meaning versus accuracy and control of the grammar, that I think you can put that in there when you need to do it as long as you are treating your students and instructing them in an equitable and fair way. I also wanted to mention one last thing. And just because I'm not sure that everyone who's listening to this understands how language acquisition works, um, I just wanted to add one more detail to this podcast episode. So if you go back and listen to my episode on the proficiency mindset and those mindset switches and changes that we need to make in our own brains when we move from teaching traditionally with vocabulary and grammar to teaching for proficiency and teaching with a lot of comprehensible input as our focus, one of the biggest things that needs to shift is our understanding of how the brain acquires a language and that students really can't control what grammar structures they acquire when. It's this magic that happens in the brain no matter what we do. The best thing we can do is provide them lots of examples of that information in context. And I'm not saying like you should do, you know, 10 weeks of the imperfect until every single student in your class gets it because that's not how that works. But giving them exposure to it in context will give their brains an opportunity to acquire it when it's naturally ready to. But we can't control when that happens and neither can the students. So when I talk about making sure that your instruction and your assessment is equitable and fair, that's what I'm talking about. Because there's not a whole lot that they or we can do as far as acquiring those grammar structures. Now, they can consciously learn those things and shove those in there, but that doesn't mean it's going to stick. And so I just wanted to give you that little piece of information before I ended this episode.